Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hey, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. We've got a very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast today. We're going to welcome in former USC quarterback Shane Foley a little bit later and Steve Mason, local LA media guru. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at Venice Mace. Uh, he's on ESPN LA 710 in Los Angeles, also part of the USC Trojan Radio Network. Fox 11 LA, you can see him in the mornings there, uh, talking with all those fun people on local news and stuff. And Steve does a great job on all things USC. SteveMason.com is his website, too. Steve, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Jeez, jeez, that's, that's quite an introduction. Is there any time for me to actually talk about the Trojan? <laughs> nope, we're done. That's it for the segment. Thanks very much for joining the show. <laughs> you know, it's actually, it's cool. It's cool being off because for... You know, I listen to the Peristyle podcast every single week. It's one of the ways that I uh, get ready for the games. Uh, and uh, I steal a bunch of information from Coach Harvey Hyde and uh, Dan Weber and all you guys over there. So it's, it's a great podcast, and I'm really happy to be on it with you. Well, thanks very much, and uh, we're, I'm really happy to be on yours. It's a, You know, I was never a big podcast listener, and then, uh, you know, I started doing my own, I guess, six or seven years ago, but then go on other people's a lot, and I – I've always had a fun time going on yours. Sometimes we do it in the studio or, um, you know, do it over the phone. But you're, you're the Venice Mace podcast is like, it seems like growing by leaps and bounds. You've got all these crazy celebrities on there. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, a, it's great. I love, uh, you know, you can only say so much during uh, the, the regular show and during USC pregame. So it gives me a little bit more run. I can talk about things a little bit more in depth and dig down on things, do a deep dive on different subjects, including uh, USC football. So, yeah, I love the podcast. And, uh, and I put a lot of time and effort into it, uh, as as you can tell. I you know I care about it a lot, and uh, and it's a big part of uh, of what I do and who I am. Cool. Um, all right. Yeah. We, you have a you know there's a lot of diversity as far as your interests go, but we wanted to, you know talk about the uh, the USC stuff now. You've been doing the the pregame show, and you, know, you of course talk about it on the Mason and Ireland show. Uh, but I also heard you on the postgame show with our friends Kelly Tennant and. And Sean Cody, and I think it was a fun, funny line you opened up with about. I mean, I'll let you say it about the twenty-five, the point win, which uh, didn't feel that good to some people. Yeah, I mean, the the feedback I got on Twitter, and, and granted, you know, Twitter is essentially the the, the ragged edge of, of the fan base. Uh, <laughs> you know, emotional people. From from what I could tell, it was the worst twenty-five point win in the history of USC football. Uh, people, people are really, really demanding, uh, Trojan fans. And they, they not only want to win the game, they want to win the game with style points. And I guess there were really no style points in that game Saturday against Oregon State, at least not many that I, that I saw. Yeah, it's, uh, it, we see I'm on Twitter the whole game up in the press box. We're posting on the message board on uscfootball.com. We're posting on Twitter. And there's definitely a lot of negativity there. And when you look at the game as a whole, yeah, I mean, it's a, you go to 2-0 and in conference. I mean, I think that's the most important thing. USC hasn't been 2-0 and since, I believe, it was 2007. Uh, that's nice. you know, the important thing to, to get that win. And that's something you haven't been doing, not not been able to win the opener. You're always kind of coming from behind. 
now leading the Pac-12 South, but it still left kind of a bad taste in everybody's mouth, just the way it went down. Yeah, I think in a way it's, uh, it is a blessing that they lost at Boston College uh, compared to a conference win because every hope and dream is still alive for this, uh, this team right now. I mean, you can still win the Pac-12 South. You can still win the Pac-12 championship in a Pac-12 championship game. You, you can still go to the Rose Bowl. And, I mean, I think it's a long shot, but you conceivably can get into that Final Four playoff, uh, playoff situation. And I think, you know, we live in a world where, I mean, I watched Florida State tr- struggle like crazy against North Carolina State, um, number one team in America. I mean, you just win. You know, you just win in advance. Uh, that's, what, that's what this season is about. That's what college football season is, is about. Every game is critical, and you just got to get out of there with a win no matter what. And the Trojans did. And it, and it happened in a, in a way that we didn't expect. I mean, we were all kind of spoiled by the Fresno State game, 105 plays and chucking the ball all over the yard and Juju Smith and Adore Jackson and these guys, these explosive players, uh, breaking loose for big games. In this, in this game, it was really it was the defense that, that was all the difference. I mean, Sean Mannion is a very, very credible quarterback. I think he's number seven all-time yards uh, passing in the Pac-12 conference. He recently passed Matt Leiner. Uh, so he is a prolific guy, a fifth-year senior, a guy with unbelievable experience. Um, and the Trojans just absolutely stuffed him. They couldn't run the ball. Uh, they tried to throw the ball. Coverage in the secondary, despite the fact that everybody is very, very young back there. Uh, we saw more of a Dory Jackson at the cornerback position. And, and they did a great job. They essentially allowed a field goal and a kickoff return. And that was that was it. They were held to around 200 yards in, in total offense. I mean, you do that to a, to a big-time college football program or at least a solid college football program with a crafty head coach like Oregon State, you're doing something. Um, and it all happens, as you know, Ryan, despite the fact that they're fairly limited in their numbers. They are so thin in that front seven. I mean, they are, they're, you know, they're down to maybe 51 scholarship players dressing for games. And, and nowhere do they have a bigger weakness in terms of depth than in the front seven, and they overcame that. I even saw Leonard Williams at the nose tackle position uh, for for a number of plays in that game. I think uh, uh, Coach Wilcox is trying some things, and it's been very effective. Sue Cravens, uh, in that sort of hybrid linebacker role, is just he's born for that kind of role, and he's all over the field. So you know, I think all those things you've got to say, hey, that's. That is a successful game. It may not have looked pretty, especially the offense in the first half, but, I mean, come on. You won by 25 points. Uh, I, I think it's a good, solid win for USC, and I was not disappointed in the slightest. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that hopefully USC fans got a chance to digest it a little bit, and you look at some of the, the numbers, you come out of the game and say, oh, USC's the only team in the country that hasn't given up a, a passing touchdown yet. It's crazy. And Sean Mannion had 123 passing yards, and USC had 124 penalty yards. I mean, the, the numbers are kind of crazy looking at that, and hopefully they feel a little bit better two days later. Like, you know what? It's not as bad as I thought. Well, you know what I'm going to uh, hit up on the uh, on the radio show, and I, I hope Larry Scott listens to the Peristyle <laughs> podcast because the Pac-12 conference, these Pac-12 officials are absolutely out of control. <laughs> you know, there were 25 accepted penalties in that game, 25 accepted penalties. If you go back to the Boston College game with ACC referees there were seven accepted penalties uh the stanford game i mean what 
it's just crazy to me that the Pac-12 conference is not reining these guys in and allowing these great high-tempo offenses to just fly. I mean, I really think that there are a lot of ticky-tack calls that are keeping players from, from being allowed to do what they really do. No, there should never be 25 accepted penalties in the game. It's a 7.30 game. It's already late. The game is, <laughs> is decided for all intents and purposes, and you continue to call penalties. I, I just don't get that at all. No, I agree with you. We actually had Steve Sarkeesian was on the conference call Sunday night talking about this a little bit, and I, I thought it was kind of a, a little backhanded shot at Larry Scott in the Pac-12 where he said all he wants to do is have consistent referees. Is that in that game, I think it was 14 penalties for USC, 13 uh, against Oregon State. He said that was consistent. He goes up in Boston College. It was like we had three penalties. They had two. That was consistent with the ACC officials there. So I, to me, he was like, just keep it consistent. But it really felt like, hey, man, there was only a few, a handful of penalties called with the ACC crew. And six of the you know, 12 Pac-12 teams are in the bottom 20 as far as total penalties called in the Pac-12. That something needs to be done about that. Well, and I think that the difficult thing for the Pac-12 conference, and somewhat hamstrung as it is, a lot of people don't get the Pac-12 network all across the country. Uh, on top of that, the games can be very late. Uh, everybody uh, back east seems to want to talk about the SEC. They're very SEC-centric. Um, and so I think it's important that, that Pac-12 conference games are fun to watch. And that, mental, that many penalties uh, just destroys the continuity and the speed and the tempo of the game. I mean, we've got so many great players in this conference. We've got explosive players. We've got really, really good quarterbacks. Let them play. Show, show the East Coast that the Pac-12 plays big boy football, creative football, great creative minds and great quarterbacks. Right now the officials are, are in the way of that. Yeah, great. 100% there, Steve. Uh, well, it's, you mentioned uh, Sua Cravens. I wanted to talk about this defense a little bit and kind of get your thoughts. In the beginning, it was a little slow going. They were giving up some you know, big chunks of yards in the running game again, but they seemed to kind of settle in. And you know, Sua Cravens practiced all, you know, all week at Sam Linebacker, and uh, he came off the field during third downs, which I didn't quite agree with, but I thought it was really interesting to, to put him there, and it seemed like he did really well, and the whole defense did well. Yeah, I think the defense did really well. I thought the big test, too, was uh, was the secondary um, because you knew Sean Mannion was going to throw the football. Uh, and he did. Uh, they did have some run-stopping issues in the first half, but they seemed to they seemed to fill those gaps and really, really kind of stifle them uh, towards the end of the first half and into the second half. I, I think that the secondary really demonstrated that uh, they can handle – they've got the speed – the ability, the ability to tackle in space um, that you're going to need in the Pac-12 conference. I thought Adore Jackson played really well. Uh, I think Kevon Seymour played really well back there. Uh, Chris Hawkins. A lot of these young guys uh, are out there uh, because you know Oregon State is a throw-first offense, and they did a really, really good job. That tackling in space thing is something that's going to be necessary when you play uh, the, the ultimately, you know, Oregon. Hopefully. Uh, or some of these high-tempo offenses that are out there uh, where they're trying all kinds of, uh, of, of langles and trick plays and all that stuff. you got to be able to tackle in space, and this, this team seems to be able to. There's so much athleticism in the secondary, um, maybe more than we've seen uh, in, in 
a number of years uh, because of, especially Adore Jackson at the corner position, he's grown into that. So I think, uh, you know, I think that the secondary is, was a question mark going into that game. Uh, and I, I feel really good about it now. Now they're going to get a test again with Arizona state. Um, I, and I, at this moment, it sounds like Taylor Kelly is not going to play. Are you getting that same? Yeah. Same kind vibe? of vibe. Doesn't seem like he will. Um, and so if they face, uh, it's uh, Burger Beachy, I think, is that right? Yeah. Mike, uh, I, th- I think yeah. that's how you pronounce his name. It's got a crazy name. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Burger Beachy. Uh, they, you know, he's not a mobile guy. Um, so it's, it's not going to look like the Boston college game. It's not going to look like a game where Taylor Kelly is the quarterback. I think that's advantage USC, uh, because it's, it's no secret that at times since forever, USC has had trouble (laughs) with mobile quarterbacks. It's like, it's like the same story every year, but maybe now they've actually got the athleticism and the talent back there to be able to deal with that as long as they don't over-pursue some of these guys. So, I mean, their offense, Graham's offense moves very, very fast. Bergevici isn't going to scramble, but they're still going to move at tempo. And so, you know, I think this is a significant test for them. But you're right, Sue Craven's moving into the Sam position. I think that was smart. I, I also don't quite get the, the third down, uh, no Sue Craven's thing. I, I'm, I'm not sure, and I haven't gotten – uh, any direct feedback from any of the coaches about that, but uh, but it doesn't seem to make sense on the surface. Maybe they have a reason, uh, but I, but I thought defensively this team looked very very good. Yeah, and Sark actually mentioned it on the Sunday night conference call a little bit, saying that you know they didn't feel comfortable with everything that they would ask him to do. There's more responsibilities, I guess, on a third down thing, but. It sounds like if they keep him there, even though he told us last week he was just there for the week, but if they do keep him there, he's listed actually on the, the depth chart as an or with uh, Scott Starr for, or Scott Felix now for that, that Sam linebacker position. But it seems like if they keep him there, he'll be able to stay on the field. Like they'll give him more responsibilities this week. But it'll be curious this week in practice to see if they do keep him there or how that works. You know, they shuffled the offensive line as well, and I thought that made a big difference. Uh, you know, it was kind of slow going there in the first half. They really, uh, we were uh, we were betting on the uh, uh, in in my seats in section five. We were betting on whether or not uh, Buck Allen would uh, carry the ball on first down. And generally speaking, he did. Yeah. <laughs> and I I don't quite understand that. I mean, I think that uh, still they've got this issue, and they were excellent on third down conversions, but they still have this this issue of the the uh, second and nine. And then third and seven. I mean, they've got to be more aggressive on the on the early downs so that they don't put themselves in a position where they're, you know, third and six, third and seven every time. They've got to make positive yardage and they'd like to see them be more aggressive uh in the in the early downs so that they're not so uh behind when they get I and mean, you know, the other thing you know, I'm I'm complaining about that. At the same time they were excellent on third down conversions. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a dual concept there. I'd like to see them make early yardage. And yet if they don't, at least for now, they seem to be finding a way to convert. So, um, I thought the the play calling, uh, to my, to my eye was, was inconsistent and probably still, um, you know, in the first half, especially to run reliant when it was not there. Um, if that's what if that's what they're taking away, you got to stretch the field a little bit. You've got to, and you know, not even just underneath stuff, which uh, you know, which they throw a lot of. I mean, Cody demonstrated in this game, Kessler demonstrated in this game that he can throw downfield. 
Um, and you know, I'd, I'd like to see more of that. It keeps defenses honest. And yet, as, as we saw during that game, man, that second half, there's no better way to demoralize a team than by running on them. Um, and they were able to just really run the ball down their throats in the second half. They wore them down and wore them down. Buck Allen obviously had a great game, close to close to a buck fifty in yardage. Justin Davis is a nice change of pace back. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's got some he's got some wiggle in him. Uh, caught the touchdown pass. Um, you know, I really like him as well. So, you know, I love the fact that once they had a lead, they were wearing down the defense. Um, we were on the other side of that in the Boston College game. Again, there's nothing more demoralizing than being run on, and that's what Boston College did to USC. You know, I, I love that as a second-and-a-half strategy. i just like to see more aggressiveness in the play calling out of the box. Um, you know, you can be conservative late once you have a lead, but let's, you know, let's, let's go for the jugular early is, is my thought in terms of the play calling. Yeah, and I think you rely too much on being able to convert third downs. This team's done a good job this year. They didn't do it as well against Boston College, and of course it cost them. But so many negative plays on first down, Steve, it was crazy. And I think there was five three and outs in the game, even though the, the offense moved pretty well most of the time. But those three and outs, a lot of them were set up with second and 12 because they ran those the horizontal passes that didn't, you know, no one was blocking, didn't. You couldn't make anybody miss, and uh, boom, you lose two. I like you know, it. I like that you're calling it horizontal passing instead of bubble screen. <laughs> That's a bad buzzword here, Rowdy. <laughs> yeah, they really they are running the bubble screen. Um, it, it has not disappeared. It is still in the playbook, and you're right. Um, you know, they everybody seems to key on that. You love to get the ball in the hands of explosive players, but that's essentially a running play uh, for all intents and purposes, and it was not working on on Saturday, but. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, let's call it horizontal passing from now on because that's less offensive to people. <laughs> I, I was using hashtag bubble screen a bunch, and those get retweeted quite a bit because they're. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. People hate the bubble screen at Southern Cal. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, I, it's the most famous play in USC history. Um, for all intents and purposes, I mean, I I, I followed at bubbles at bubble screen. Uh, on Twitter for a while, um, <laughs> bubble screen had an, it was an excellent follow um, while Lane Kiffin was here. But I, uh, but yeah, the bubble screen is much maligned, but still, you know, can be effective at times. You know, but you can't play the whole game behind the chains. Yep. And uh, and and the big thing is the officiating uh, is another reason that USC was playing behind the chains so much in that game. You know, then all of a sudden you got uh, second and sixteen, and you've got third and 12 and it gets a lot it gets a lot tougher um so yeah avoiding penalties with these oversensitive whistle happy officials is going to be one of the keys uh to to success uh saturday against arizona state certainly will and then one, one last thing on the uh the oregon state i want to talk about special teams just a little bit too um any concerns there i mean it seems like it, it, there's so much inconsistency, it seems like, special teams. You want your punter to be pretty consistent. They, they still seem to do a good job of pinning guys inside the 20, but trying to flip the field, it's a crapshoot. Like there was a 50-something yard punt followed by a 26-yard punt, and it just seems to be you don't have that consistent play where if you have to punt the ball, you can at least pin the opponent back a little bit. Well, you know what I'd like to see in terms of Chris Alvarado? I really miss Kyle Negretti. Uh because Kyle, the punts were never pretty, right? Right. Um, he essentially hit a short punt that rolled. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with that, frankly. 
I, I don't, I, you know, I, I, you don't have to be Ray Guy out there. You don't have to sky it and get hang time. I mean, it's about field position. So I love those Negretti punts. I, I think they're, I think Chris, I'd like to see Chris Alvarado and, uh, and the coaching staff take more of that approach uh, as opposed to trying to sky a punt because you're right, 26-yard punt. I mean, frankly, what's the point at that point? You know, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, giving, them, you're giving them a short field. Um, field goal kicking, um, you know, Andre Hadari, uh, the Stanford killer, the tree killer, um, that, that field goal attempt was just miserable in that game. That's as bad as, as bad a kick as, as I've seen from Hadari, uh, in the last year. So I think that's another, another issue is consistency. I mean, how can the guy that made a 50 plus yard field goal miss that one in the way he did? Uh, in the Oregon State game, and then kick coverage is just an enormous issue. Obviously, yeah, uh, a lot of uh, the, the kickoff return, um, the the punts. There were big returns on those punts. Um, that's an area where they've got to really, really tighten up. And I think that you know it may be that more, even though they're thin, they need to they need to put more starters out there on on kick coverage in order to be more effective because they gave away a touchdown that way, and they gave away some really good field position that way uh, on kick coverage. So I'd like to see some improvement there, too. One last thing before we let you go, Steve. The uh, Arizona State game, If a lot of people saw UCLA dismantle them on Thursday night, just really boat raced them all over the place. And um, I know there was no Taylor Kelly, but they still threw for 450 yards or whatever it was. It wasn't like the quarterback position was – this horrible, you know, did a terrible job. There were some bad throws and some turnovers they would like to have back. But I think there's a lot of pressure on USC now to do well uh, against Arizona State just because of what UCLA did on the road. USC gets them at home. Um, you know, they have a couple extra days to get ready for USC because of that Thursday game. But what are your thoughts kind of going into this game? And if it, it really is a lot of pressure on Steve Sarkeesian to, to get a win there. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of pressure to get a win there. And of course, this is going to be a really easy way for Southern California football fans to kind of compare the programs. UCLA, UCLA got them last week uh, on the road. Arizona State comes here, uh, really essentially back to back games. Um, and I would imagine that one of the things that's not helpful to USC is that Arizona State's still going to be smartened from, from what happened against UCLA. So they're going to feel like They've got something to prove when they come here, and of course, everybody you got you get everybody you know uh, revved up and, and crazy coming to the Coliseum to play USC anyway. But I, I think people are going to look at the performance of USC against Arizona State versus the performance of UCLA against Arizona State, and they're going to use that to compare programs uh, and and where this these teams are right now. So. Uh, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a really important game. It was a circle game from the start of the year. Um, even without Taylor Kelly, as you mentioned, uh, they racked up a ton of yardage with, uh, with Bergovici. And I, the, I think what, what USC should focus on in this game is they're going to get their yards. I mean, Arizona State's going to get their yards. Um, I would like to see them focus on takeaways. Turnovers will truly decide this game. Um, you know, if you can, if you can strip a wide receiver, if you can knock the ball loose on a sack, I mean, I really think that will determine the game. And that's, you know, UCLA had some big defensive plays. It's going to take some big defensive plays to, to stop them. Um, and they're still going to get their yards 
anyway. So that, that's why I think strips and, and takeaways, those are going to be kind of the key for the USC defense because Arizona State's going to rack up yardage no matter what. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to not picture that team putting up a going up and down the field. But you want to get those key turnovers. You want to be able to score points yourself, and it's going to be a really interesting one uh, Saturday night in the Coliseum. Saturday evening, I guess four thirty. So it's not. Yeah, going to be thank, a thankfully Saturday at four thirty. <laughs> I cannot stand those seven thirty games. Oh yeah, I get they're home. just they're awful. Yeah, I get home like two in the morning. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, in fact, I was on with Kelly and Sean. I think it was like. 1 a.m. Yeah, you were. <laughs> I, I think it was after. I heard you. You were after one in the morning, I believe, by the time that you were you got on the show. It was crazy. Yeah, normally I knock back some bourbon when I get home after a game, but <laughs> I I had to hold off to do the uh, Kelly and Sean show, um, and, and so it it really set behind my schedule. But yeah, at least this is a 4:30 start. I also feel bad. You know, I know people are getting people are cracking on USC fans because they left the game early. There was kind of a big. A big wave of people that left at the end of the third quarter and uh, in the early fourth quarter. Uh, the diehard stayed, but you know the the reality is, you know, it was ten thirty at at the end of uh, at the end of the third quarter, ten fifteen or something like that. I mean, you know, it's it's a it is a late night, especially you know for some for some older fans uh, in the season ticket holders and the guys. I you know, I have had tickets with a bunch of uh, uh, older. I'll just say older fans. Uh, <laughs> those guys politically correct. Those guys at some point aren't even able to stand up on you know third down to root for the defense. So they uh, <laughs> they bailed they bailed early. But the four thirty start is so much preferable than the seven thirty start. And you also know with a four thirty start, people are going to see you back east, which is really important. Right, and obviously you want to put on a good show for that. There was a lot of recruits at the game. But we'll see if there's a lot this weekend too. Uh, but we love – thanks for uh, coming on the show. We definitely want to have you on more. He's at Venice Mace on Twitter. And if you happen to be – if you're walking around the Venice Beach Boulevard uh, boardwalk there, you see that guy juggling the the uh, chainsaws. That's not Steve, but he's usually hanging around there, right? If it, that's, I'm, that's right I'm right there. I'm always <laughs> right there. Venice is a state of mind, and I'm in it all the time. <laughs> I went, my wife started watching uh, Californication on uh, Netflix recently. I I never saw that show, so I'm always I'm always looking for you, Steve, out there when he's cruising around. You know, Duchovny, Duchovny hangs out at Venice Beach a lot. He is, he is down there a lot. You can bump into him pretty easily. <laughs> that's pretty funny. So I'm sure you guys are boys, you know. Yes. Oh no, we are. We are. Abs- <laughs> We've been in the same yoga class, and that's about as tight as we are. <laughs> Very nice. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Steve, for coming on the show, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, look forward to talking to you again down the road about this USC football team. All right. Cool. Anytime, Ryan. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Steve, and uh, everyone else. Back in a minute, we're going to talk to former USC quarterback Shane Foley. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast. Presented by uscfootball.com. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast Special Edition. We're talking with former USC quarterback Shane Foley. What's up, Shane? How you doing, man? 
Hey, Ryan, good to uh, good to be back on. Good to talk to you. Yeah, I wanted to catch up. We talked with you a few weeks ago about this USC football team. You know, lots happened since then with the uh, loss to Boston College, but huh. a bounce back win against Oregon State, and of course a big one coming up this weekend against uh, ASU. And uh, you know, one of the there was a lot of criticism about play calling and a lot of criticism about this USC offense. But man, the one thing that seems to be pretty consistent is when he's allowed to throw the ball, Cody Kessler is completing over 71% of his passes. Seems like he's doing well. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts, first of all, on Cody Kessler and how he's played so far through these first four games. Well, hard to argue with what he's done, Ryan. I mean, obviously he's played really at a very high level, starting off with Fresno State, spreading the ball around to 10 receivers, making good decisions. I think that, that, you know, really the decision-making in the pocket presence is is really what stands out when you look at him on tape or look at him at a game. I mean, he's uh, not forcing the football. He's doing a good job uh, distributing the football. We had nine different guys. uh, You know, he, he got the ball to nine different receivers in this last game here against Oregon State. So, I think that was certainly a good thing to uh, see him spread the ball around, but his vision looks like it's good. You know, you have to keep working on, you know, your progression as a quarterback and keep finding guys. Obviously that was one of the issues. I think back at Boston college, there was a lot of pressures. We know looking back on that game with the sacks, but you know, I uh, certainly, I think the plays that he made in this game a couple of times with his feet, that was a big difference that was pointed out on the, on the uh, broadcast of the game, but his ability to make plays certainly on that third down in the second half was, was probably his play of the game. Uh, You know, finding Aguilar on the sideline to pick up a first down was huge and then just buying time in the pocket. So I think that's, you know, kind of a big differentiator from what you, you know, you saw with him compared to Sean Mannion on the other side, who obviously is about to become the all time, you know, conference passing yardage leader. So um, really, I think just the development, as you talked about the efficiency, you know, completing over 70% of his passes, but also, you know, really finding the tight end in this game. Telfer was uh, a big target, obviously Bryce Dixon, and uh, good to see a Jane uh, Harris get, you know, get some catches, get involved in the offense. And obviously we can get into the Hail Mary <laughs> play, which was huge <laughs> right before halftime, but, but certainly the development has been very good. And, and, uh, you know, without throwing an interception this year, turning the ball over has been very efficient and effective. Yeah, I wanted to the, – the Hail Mary is interesting because they talked about that on the broadcast a little bit and um, couldn't remember the last time. I think J.J. Uh, John Jackson was on there. And, and I don't remember, you know, since, you know, the late 80s, you know, watching USC football and covering USC football, a completed Hail Mary for USC. And I don't you know, I mean, you were around back then and – You've yeah. watched it since. Do you remember one or anyone kind of before that? Like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm digging deep into the archives on this one, Ryan, <laughs> but I, I can't even remember one. You know, I redshirted my freshman year and with Rodney Pete there, but uh, I don't remember us completing one in in my time there. I'd have to really, I'd have to really go back and think hard uh, to to you know remember one of those. But this one, you know, just talking about this one a little bit, I know I know Coach Sarkeesian talked about it a lot. You know, having a fourth and fifteen there, but keeping the offense on the field to really, uh, you know, try to keep Mike Riley from using a timeout at, at midfield, you know, to, to really run the clock down and have the opportunity to do it. So, you know, obviously uh, a pretty good strategy, obviously, to uh, to have that work and just to be in the opportunity and having the opportunity to do it right there before halftime. And again, you know, talking about Cody, I mean, he had to move around quite a bit to let his guys get downfield and avoid the uh, rush. 
to uh, get the ball out of his hand and get it downfield. But it was a play that, you know, Coach Sarkeesian's talked about it. I mean, they execute that in, in practice. It's something that they spend a little bit of time on each day. And so to see the team actually be in a position to have, have an opportunity to do it and execute it and have Darius uh, Rogers go up and get the ball was, you know, was a huge play and a huge momentum swing going into, uh, going into halftime. One of the uh, criticisms, if you, if you look at Twitter, which probably shouldn't do all the time. Oh, you can give out your Twitter handle too. It's Shane Foley underscore USC. Is that? That's yeah, that's right. Shane Foley underscore USC. Okay. I should have pulled it up beforehand, but I thought I remembered it. <laughs> that's okay, buddy. Thanks. But a lot of the tweets during the game I was getting when, when the offense struggles, usually people are criticizing the quarterback because that's just a thing to do. Uh, but I got a lot of tweets about he's locking onto a receiver. He's only looking at one guy. Have you seen that from Cody Kessler? Do you feel like he goes through progressions, or is he kind of a first read kind of guy? What what is what is your take on that? You know, my take on Orion is it's 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 a you know it's a work in progress. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the eyes at the quarterback position is very very important. Whether you know whether a team's playing zone, playing man to man, you know, in a zone you've got guys dropping into deep halves or deep thirds. Uh, and looking receivers, uh, you know, looking the defensive backs off to you know go to your receiver, I think is critical, and that's something that you know obviously at any level you got to keep developing doing that. Whether you're top of the you know collegiate game, whether you're Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, any of those guys have to continue you know working on that discipline of using your eyes to look guys off. So I think that's really important. I think you know obviously I, I believe that Cody Kessler is a student of the game, so you're reading tendencies, you're reading blitzes, you're reading alignments and personnel, you know, and you're you're really spending a lot of time in that prior to going into a game. So you've got some ideas on where you want to attack, but, you know, the old cliche, you got to take what the defense gives you. And so, you know, if a guy's, you know, coming unblocked, you know, you've got to be able to get the ball to, you know, to dump it off to a running back. Um, but, you know, to answer your question specifically about looking guys off, I think that's something that he's done okay. I mean, I think certainly you can't argue with, the decision-making and not forcing balls, that's something he's done a very good job of, you know, not throwing into crowds. But I think he can continue to develop on, on that and certainly spreading, spreading the ball around and having an abundance of weapons out there. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the wide out, the slot, the tight end, backs out of the backfield, they're doing a good job catching the ball with, with Justin Davis, you know, and Buck Allen. I think that's something that's going to continue to get better. And, you know, obviously we're going into, you know, another big game this week against Arizona State. But uh, I think that's something that's going to continue to develop. I think he's been – that's one area, I'd say, Ryan, that I think he needs to keep progressing in, and uh, he will. But, um, you know, he'll have an opportunity to do it this Saturday. Uh, all right. Well, that, that was Cody Kessler. I think uh, on offense, if you look at the tight ends, they got to use those a little bit more this week. What, what did you think about how the offense progressed? It seemed to get better in the second half, obviously, but were you happy with the way the kind of offense bounced back after the uh, – debacle there in Boston. Yeah. Well, I am, you know, I mean, clearly, uh, you know, we, we didn't get uh, out of the gate that quickly in this game. And certainly uh, Oregon state was running the ball a little bit uh, on the Trojans in the first half. And certainly the, you know, we're able to kind of get our footing and shut that down as we went on, but the offense, you know, certainly the uh, was happy with the blocking. I think, you know, the guys, a lot of youth up there. You know, you've got Talamaevo, you've got uh, Lobenton, two freshmen that are playing. You've got Turk in the middle. They obviously got, uh, you know, big Andre Walker back, you know, a little bit of right tackle, you know, playing out there as well. And uh, Chad Wheeler, you know, all the guys across the board, I think, did a better job. 
um, blocking up front, getting a hat on a hat, moving, you know, playing aggressively. I mean, certainly there was an abundance of penalties that, uh, you know, that obviously changed the tempo of the game a little bit, the pace. But um, I think by and large, these guys did a better job. I think they had something to prove, you know, after the last game uh, back at Boston College two weeks ago. It was a long time, by the way, to go, you know, having a bye, <laughs> you know, after laying an egg out there like they did, you know, back in Boston was a big, big deal to get back playing Trojan football, playing playing aggressively, and uh, playing like Trojans do. I mean, it certainly wasn't perfect. There were a couple of sacks uh, that were given up. Uh, a couple guys, you know, got got beat on some plays, and, and Bryce Dixon got beat to the inside uh, and get you know gave up a sack, you know, on on a play as well. But I think by and large. Had to be happy with it. Certainly, Coach Sarkeesian is committed to the run. He hasn't uh, wavered from that, even you know as, as poorly as we did, uh, you know, you know the job executing back in Boston. I think Buck Allen and, and Justin Davis both got stronger as the game went on. They attacked the defense. Uh, certainly, look, you know, looking at those guys as a one-two punch. I know Trey Madden is expected to get some snaps. You know, this coming game, but it, it was a game to build on. I think it was a work in progress, and certainly made big strides coming off of, uh, you know, a, not a very good performance back in Boston. Yeah, hard to hard to argue with that. Um, on the defensive side, kind of want to get get what you saw after the, the you know Oregon State was up ten seven. It was really, I mean, just a, a hard time for Sean Mannion and that and that. Oregon State offense to, to get anything going. I think they had like 70 yards or something like that. It was pretty yeah. crazy after uh, they took that 10-7 lead. Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, you obviously have to uh, give some credit, a lot of credit to the defense. I think they executed a lot better. Certainly a pro-style offense has been uh, something that I think fits our defense's ability to defend. I think we're going to have a lot bigger test uh, coming up against more of a spread read option attack that we're going to see, you know, this Saturday, which is given it given the Trojans some problems in the past, it's going to be a big, big challenge. But they, to your point, I think there was a lot of disruption is the word that really comes to mind and that's been used, disruption and really getting in the quarterback's face. I mean, they've always said, uh, you know, the best pass defense is a great pass rush. And I think, you know, even though we didn't get a lot of sacks, I mean, certainly, you know, we're, we're chasing them around. Leonard Williams, uh, you know, really put one on them, you know, after uh, – you know, after Simmons had an opportunity to sack him. So there was a lot of pressure, though. I think that just the control, you know, in the middle uh, with Antoine Woods looked a lot better, a lot stronger in the middle, you know, really stopping the run right there in the middle after, uh, you know, after some of that early success they had moving the ball on the Trojans. But, um, you know, I think the defensive front really stepped up, and I think uh, getting in their face, you know, with the, uh, you know, with the pass rush I think was – Something that uh, Mannion never looked comfortable. I think he threw for, I mean, I think 16 or you know 17 yards in the second half on 4-16 passing. I mean, it was really disruptive. And you know, you can talk about a lot of the weapons that USC has, and we and we certainly can. I mean, we talked a lot about receiver. We talked about getting the tight ends the ball. One being a freshman, you know, to complement uh, Telford being a senior, but really getting back to winning in the trenches, and that's where we lost you know, the battle back at Boston College was up front, you know, giving up five sacks 
offensively, not being able to get off the ball, you know, on the offensive side, moving the line of scrimmage. USC was playing on, on, on really on their own side, getting backed up with a ton of negative plays against uh, Boston College on the road. This game was a completely different deal. You know, you saw USC really, uh, the Trojans settle in, you know, up front, the front seven really started dictating the tempo and really uh, taking the, you know, playing on their side of the line of scrimmage. Uh, knocking their guys back and, and disrupting Mannion enough to where, you know, he wasn't, you know, comfortable looking downfield. He wasn't able to hold the football. He wasn't putting the ball on target. And, you know, again, this is a guy that's about to pass, uh, you know, Carson Palmer and, and uh, Matt Barkley for, you know, the most yards in the history of the conference, which is a huge, huge statement. So to have a guy finish with 123 yards passing was was a big, big deal. And, and it was just, like I said, really nice to see up front, on both sides of the ball as the game kind of, you know, got underway in the second quarter on really uh, USC taking, uh, taking control up on, uh, you know, on, up front on both sides of the ball. Um, the defensive line, there was a lot of talk about that. I mean, it's a talented group, um, but you know, they're, they're pretty thin. I wanted to get your thoughts on what you saw the the front seven so far. You know, you talked about Leonard Williams, he's been playing good, but what do you think of the rotation? They've been lucky, uh, Shane, there's, there's, Really, no one's getting injured these first four games. I guess you want to knock on wood there. But they're, every game you expect, like especially the Stanford game, you expect a bunch of guys to be out for the season. They've been pretty good. Like they've, they've been healthy pretty much after every game. But what have you thought about the, how the rotation's gone and, and what depth is like? Well, it's going to be an ongoing challenge, Ryan. I mean, obviously, uh, when you're playing with 50, you know, 56, 50, you know, seven, you know, guys, somewhere in that range, sub sub 60, so less than 60 that they're talking about uh, that the Trojans have. I mean, that's what they have to work with. You know, we don't talk about it a lot. It's not something that we can utilize as an excuse. But at the end of the day, it's a real situation and a real challenge. As you know, you're out there at practice a lot. I mean, not having the depth to practice with – not always being able to hit maybe like you like to, you know, for fear of, of losing a guy in practice, which, which can happen. I think they have, to your point, you know, had a lot of good fortune. I think uh, Jordan Simmons got a little bit tweaked in the game and, and is going to miss a couple of weeks. But beyond that, you know, I think that uh, they, they have stayed very healthy. I, you know, one of the things I said after the Boston College game was, you know, it really was a blueprint I think to beat a team that's uh, that's thin on defense that doesn't have a lot of depth because they were able to pound the football. They did go very, very, you know, much played a very physical game going attacking the uh, the front seven of, of the Trojans, and then they got out wide with a mobile quarterback running the read option and lost a lot of contain. And certainly a lot of that was execution and misdiagnosing and kind of peeking in the backfield and not really staying in their gaps in their lanes. <clears throat> which will kill you, you know, against a read option. But, you know, they, they not only were out executed toward the end of that game at Boston, I hate to go back to that, but, you know, that, that obviously talking about that, you know, seeing the lack of depth, it really was noticeable that those guys were gassed. They were on their heels. They were, you know, reacting, you know, not really being proactive and dictating the tempo. And so that was something that, um, <clears throat> you know, we didn't see that against Oregon State. I think they really obviously answered the bell. They they were able to get off the field on third down. You know, Oregon State only completed one of ten third downs in the game, which was huge. And then, you know, obviously, uh, you know, still have not given up a passing touchdown. I think they're the only team at, you know, the uh, Division One level not to have given up a pass, a touchdown pass throwing. <clears throat> So I, I think that, uh, you know, ultimately I think that's going to be a challenge that we're going to have, especially, Ryan, as we get into, 
you know, some of these uh, offenses like Arizona State and Arizona, you know, Cal and, and uh, even Colorado got through for, you know, 67 passes, <laughs> you know, in the Cal-Colorado uh, game. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of passes and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a Washington lot of time State. To I mean, obviously, look on down the line. I mean, Washington State. Uh, you know, obviously, we've had some challenges with uh, Brett Hundley the last couple of years, and that's you know we don't want to look ahead. It's one game at a time. But when you're taking a look at the types of offenses we're going to see, we're going to see a lot of mobility and a lot, lot of you know a lot of uh, quarterbacks that uh, put a lot of pressure on defenses. Everett Golson just completed you know 25 consecutive passes. You know, at a record-setting day for for the Irish, who are four and zero, and you know, play at Stan, uh, you know, host Stanford on Saturday. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we don't look ahead, you know, but it's it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to learn a lot this Saturday. I mean, I certainly think that you know that was a big game. We had to rebound. Obviously, the 35-10 score uh, played well in the second half, much better in the second half, and really got stabilized on both sides of the football. But, you know, even without Taylor Kelly, whether or not he goes, you know, their, their backup, uh, quarterback, uh, threw for, you know, close to 500 yards against the Bruins and, 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 you know, moved the football very well. I mean, a couple of big turnovers and a kickoff return obviously broke their backs, um, you know, interception return, but, uh, certainly we're going to be tested and the, the, you know, the defense is going to be tested this, this weekend. Uh, and I'm very much, uh, looking forward to, uh, seeing how we play against this Arizona state offense. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a huge test. Uh, like, yeah. Having the backup quarterback come in and throw for like almost five. Yeah. 488 <laughs> yards. Yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the, the special teams play too. It just seems to be, to me, it's been kind of inconsistent, just kind of up and down and not really sure what's going on there. What, what have your thoughts looking at the USC special teams so far? Well, you know, we've got a lot of playmakers, you know, and again, a lot of these guys are, are guys that are playing, you know, every, every snap of the game. You know, we've got a lot of, uh, Trojans have a lot of starters that, uh, that play and contribute, you know, on the special team, certainly giving up a, a long kickoff like that. You know, when you take a look at it, you know, there's really only one way to go untouched down the sideline and that's to lose contain. You know, they obviously look like they, you know, kind of were starting off, uh, when you take a look at it again, you know, he looked like he was going to take the ball, you know, to his right, you know, going to the right. And then pretty quickly he cut it back. But by that time, a couple guys got pinned inside and a couple of the outside guys, you know, that would have been the contain guys you know, got basically uh, started inside to the point where, you know, with that guy, you know, Ryan Murphy with a full head of steam, they weren't able to recover. And, uh, and by then it was too late. So, you know, I think it's discipline. It's, you know, it's young guys that, uh, you know, maybe haven't played a lot. You know, I don't know how much Juju Smith was playing on kickoff teams in high school, you know, but, but uh, you know, you take a look at guys that are athletic guys that are really good players, you know, defensive backs and and uh, receivers, you know, that have played both ways in high school, but they're being asked to do a lot. You know, and these guys, you know, we talked a little bit about it before we went on, on air earlier, Ryan, that you know, there's a lot of guys for the Trojans that, that are great players and are going to be tremendous players for, for a long time to come here. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that they were playing in front of five, five, 6,000 people at the high school level, um, you know, uh, a year ago. So, uh, and that's a big deal. And so I guess what I'm getting to is there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of discipline required, you know, in covering kicks and covering punts. Um, you know, and a lot of discipline that's required in, uh, you know, making blocks, you know, on, on kicks. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Hadari, uncharacteristic, 
you know, to this season, he's hit some really big clutch kicks. Uh, you know, knuckled one, uh, you know, in the game after a drive. You know, obviously in the uh, in the uh, you know in the second half. So. I think there's a lot of improvement that can happen. Um, I, I do like a Dory Jackson anytime he's got the ball in his hands. Uh, certainly he's a weapon at corner, and he's tremendous, uh, a tremendous athlete that matched up in a huge way against uh, Stanford, you know, with their uh, with Ty Montgomery. I think you know, he did a tremendous job there and, <clears throat> you know, again showed what he could do in this game with that tip pass to Leon McQuay was a, was a huge, huge play and, and a couple of other, uh, you know, plays where he locked down on, on their receiver. So, <clears throat> You know, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for us to improve in the in the special teams and get more consistent, and uh, hope to see that starting soon because there are going to be some tight games where special teams very well could be the difference. Yeah, hard to argue with that. I mean, special teams can always be a big factor. It's worked out well for USC at times, worked out poorly at other times. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, you know, it could be in the Arizona State game. I think there's a lot of pressure, Shane, on USC just because UCLA boat raced. Uh, Arizona State in Tempe, um, yep. you know, yep. it, it's another week that, could, you know, help prepare the, the young quarterback. But what are your thoughts going into this game here? I mean, do you think there's pressure on SC to, to perform well because UCLA did and it's a big Pac-12 South matchup? Or how do you what do you feel about this one? Well, it's a good question, Ryan. I don't know that there sh- to me, there shouldn't really be a lot of pressure internally from the coaches and, and the players on what they did uh, or what they did or didn't do against UCLA. I think for UCLA, if you're across town, uh, you know, in a, in a Bruin, they, they obviously, that, that was a shot across the bow. I mean, because they had been very underwhelming uh, prior to that big game in the desert last Thursday night on national television you know, with the close games to Virginia and Memphis. And, and you know, obviously uh, they came out and, and even statistically given up a lot of yards <laughs> that they did. We just talked about it, almost 500 yards passing and 620 total yards they gave up. But still, 62 to 27, you know, if you're not looking at the box and, and, and if you didn't see that game and you just come away looking at that score – Man, they got they got pounded. You know yeah. what it, it sounds like, and you know obviously a couple of big plays—a 95-yard interception return, a 100-yard, you know, a touchdown return, and a couple of 80-yard pass plays that Hundley threw. You know, with guys that were untouched. I mean, that, those are big, big plays that they gave up. So, I think focusing on on the Trojans and what they need to do, they need to take the next step. You know, obviously they're they're two and zero in conference. The fortunate thing is that loss and and uh, the embarrassing play that they had was in a was in a non-conference game to Boston College but you know they they really are going to have to take the next steps we talked about it a little bit before uh they've they've played well historically against pro style offenses and been able to kind of tee off and and get to the quarterback and disrupt them this this type of game right now is going to be a very indicative of our season you know and being able to make the improvements that we need to make that USC needs to make uh, defending the spread, defending, you know, read option plays, defending athletes, you know, all around the field. And, uh, you know, they need to uh, certainly step up, you know, in this game. They've had some success against Arizona State at home. Clearly, you know, last year, 62-41, you know, the end of the Lane Kiffin era, <laughs> you know, obviously uh, <laughs> was was a rough game for, 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 you know, for the Trojans on the field. But uh, I think, 
think there were a lot of missed assignments, you know, looking at that tape last year after that game, a lot of guys that weren't communicating very well and then turned into some big plays that, that uh, really turned into a, you know, a one-sided score with, with giving up 62 points, you know, tying us, tying for the most actually in the history of our, uh, of our Trojan program. But um, <laughs> it's a new year and, you know, I think this is going to be a big, uh, a big opportunity to come out and take the next steps, running the football, spreading the ball around, having, uh, you know, Cody continue to make better, you know, good reads, quick reads, and uh, being decisive with the football, special teams improving like you're talking about. I'm interested to see how they work Trey Madden back into the offense, but certainly Buck Allen and, and Justin Davis is improving every week, and they're attacking the defense. And then just uh, really seeing um, the front seven, I think, is the biggest key to this game when you take a look at it you know we talked a little bit about the lack of depth and they're going to put a lot of pressure you know on uh on speed and, and running the tempo attack and, and spreading the football around it's really going to come down to our line or you know our front uh you know our front seven and our linebackers running the football tackling well on the open field and you know obviously Sua Cravens was a tremendous impact player in this game we didn't really talk specifically about his play but it was a tremendous game with him playing closer to the line of scrimmage we just need to see our athletes uh have an opportunity to step up and we need to play uh, a big game Trojans need to play a big game in the trenches uh yeah we didn't get the let's uh, we can end on that let's talk about Sua Cravens a little bit just about his uh you know, he practiced at that Sam linebacker spot uh, yeah. leading up to the game. They said it was going to be for one week, but you know, talking to Steve Sarkeesian afterwards and on the conference call, it sounds like they're going to expand his role a little bit. And he's not supposed to come off the the field on third downs like he was, which I had issues with. I don't know if you did, but I well, did. Yeah, I did yeah. too. What were your thoughts on his, on how he played in that one? Well, hard to argue with anything he did, <laughs> you know, in that game. I mean, obviously jumping the route and, and zone coverage, uh, but but jumping that route, kind of disguising, you know, a man coverage, running inside, but, but you know, recognizing that, uh, you know, the man you run that play a lot, that Oregon State utilized that play a lot, and jumping that route and taking it back was, was a huge start to the game, but really a nose for the football. I mean, obviously, uh, get, you know, getting the sack, you know, on a blitz uh, was a big, big play tackle for loss, diagnosing plays, being around the football. Um, you know, he's a guy that, hit, you know, did it obviously at the high school level. He's a freshman All-American last year. And he's a guy that you want on the field. They, they've clearly made a decision to play him closer to the line of scrimmage, maybe similar to, you know, a Matt Grudegood under, you know, in the Pete Carroll era going back for, you know, some of your listeners that, uh, <laughs> you know, can remember, you know, remember him. I mean, he, you know, Matt was a, a guy that was probably, probably the best high school football player I ever saw up modern day but you know was a guy that played in the defensive backfield but you know obviously Pete Carroll recognized that he was great up close to the line of scrimmage and you know really a smaller guy than 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 Sua you know 215-220 but a guy that that really had a nose and an instinct for the football and can really change the course of a football game and so I think that's you know what uh you know, what you're seeing now, Coach Sarkeesian uh, kind of did the same thing with a guy up in uh, Washington, Shaq Thompson, who was a highly re- recruited guy. Uh, you know, you probably recall, you know, USC wanted him, everybody did, but they played him closer to the line of scrimmage up at Washington, more of an outside linebacker position. And I think it's the same, similar kind of deal on what they're doing with, with Sua. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that you don't want coming off the field on third down. I totally agree with you. You didn't want, you know, you want to have your best guys, you know, in during key plays and, you know, key situations. And so I think, you know, having him playing consistently, he's just going to continue to get better and, uh, you know, keep improving, which, 
is saying a lot when he played as you know as good a ball game as he did on Saturday. Yeah, for him to, I don't know how much you can improve on that one, but I guess you always you know, can. I, I don't think it's it's not a question, Ryan, of making big plays because he's a big play guy, you know. But it is a question, you know. Again, you know, USC is going to be playing some read option, you know, fly sweep, read option, you know, it, it's about assignments and it's about discipline. You know, even great players that make big plays take gambles and lose sometimes, but it's playing disciplined football, not just being, you know, not just being talented and, and, and a freakish athlete, which he is, you know, he's an incredible guy, you know, an incredible player and he is just going to get better. I mean, he's a tremendous player now, but it's again, playing within the team, you know, it's playing disciplined football, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's playing, you know, a guy that, you know, obviously I'm not making a compar- comparison with, with, uh, with Sua to, to junior sale, one of my teammates, but that's a guy that, by the time he was a junior, because he left after his junior year, he was a guy that could disrupt a football game. As you probably recall, you know, uh, obviously you were a young guy at the time, Ryan, but uh, <laughs> um, but but that was a guy that could line up in a lot of different positions and you know disrupt the game by rushing the passer, you know, from the outside, playing in the middle, dropping back in the pass, you know, do, doing something like that. And, I mean, that's a 255-pound linebacker that you know ran a you know ran a four-five-five forty, you know, and a, and a special athlete, but but Sua Cravens is an impact guy. They talked about Troy Palomalo really being a guy that he looks up to, and he can be that type of guy, a guy that can really, you know, disrupt a football game, you know, in time. But it, you know, again, it's playing within the scheme of the team. It's it's you know diagnosing and keeping contained. That's going to be a big part of this football game with our you know with the outside linebackers, including uh, Sua, you know, keeping the ball inside, which is. You know where you know where the Trojans have gotten hurt against UCLA last year. It's where the you know part of the time where they got hurt against Boston College with the ball getting out on the perimeter without turning it back inside. So that's going to be you know it's going to be a big big game and a, and a big deal to play assignment football against the uh, against uh, ASU on Saturday. Well, Shane, we always love having you on the program. Great stuff, and uh, yeah, look forward to uh, talking to you again. It's uh, going to yeah. be an interesting one. Yeah, well. We can definitely recap after ASU. It's going to be interesting for sure. So, you know, looking forward to talking to you, <laughs> talking to you after this one. Sounds great. Thanks. Shane Foley, you can follow him on Twitter at Shane Foley underscore USC, former USC quarterback. Back when I was in school at USC, I used to watch Shane from the student section coming in there for <laughs> Todd Moretovich, running around, making a lot of plays. So it was a lot of fun. And it's a lot of fun talking to you now, Shane. Thanks again. Hey, buddy, thanks for having me on, and uh, look forward to seeing uh, how this one turns out on Saturday. All right, sounds great. So thank you very much, Shane Foley. Thanks very much to Steve Mates, who joined the show earlier. This has been a very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast, reviewing Oregon State, looking ahead to Arizona State. We'll be back on our regular schedule time on Mondays. Check out peristylepodcast.com for more. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 